Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Okay, so we've been talking about the heart of the Father, and as I prayed and I sought the Lord to reveal His heart to me, He clearly revealed Himself to me as Jehovah. And we have looked at the Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah Raha, who causes us to not lack and who leads us in righteousness. He delivers us from trouble. He restores our soul. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am that Jehovah that David was talking about. And then we looked at the Lord, our healer. Don't we all love the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. We see in the New Testament, Jesus reveals himself as that healer. In Matthew 8, 17, we saw that he went about and he healed everybody, that it may be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He himself took our sickness and carried away our diseases. He is Jehovah Rapha. And last week, Isaiah prophesied that one of the names of the Lord would be Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And he reveals himself as our peace. In the new covenant, it says he himself is our peace. He broke down every barrier. And so today, we're going to look at the Lord as our provider. But I'm going to tell you right up front, which is very interesting. And we've talked about the law first mention. As you know, in the law first mention, when something is mentioned for the first time in Scripture follows that thread throughout the Bible. But there's only one time in the whole Bible that he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh. And of course, we sing that song. I think it's called Jireh. The song makes me mad because he doesn't say Jehovah Jireh. So, (laughs) but I grew up with a horrific, paralyzing fear of lack. You know, parents, and I'm including myself, don't realize, I mean, we really don't realize the effect that our attitudes and our actions have on our children. Even when we don't mean to, we don't mean to communicate things. And of course, you don't know that you messed them up until they're grown. (laughs) Then they unload on you, right? And so... But I grew up in a military family, you know, low income at the time. I don't know. They may pay great now, but at the time, that wasn't the case. And there were four of us, four girls. And I I remember so clearly, I mean, when we traveled, I mean, it wasn't, you know, luxurious air travel until we were stationed overseas. You know, dad piled us up in this blue, what are those things called? Station wagons. I don't even know if they make those anymore, do they? Now they're SUVs. But it was a blue station wagon with a white top and it looked just like an ambulance. And rightly so, because he would lower all the back seats, we would put all the suitcases on the top, and we would all lay down as we traveled across the nation. And we all got really car sick. So you can imagine what a delightful trip that was. But it was all because we just didn't have the money. 
And my mother used to tell me, not realizing at all the effect it had on me, that she would lay in bed all night long and worry about how was she going to pay our bills. So can you imagine as a little girl, I would hear, we're destitute. And it was the beginning in the 1950s. I think that was the beginning of fast food. I'm sure somebody's Googling it right now. But I remember when fast foods came and she would buy box shrimp. I don't know if you remember that. Young people probably won't, but it was frozen box shrimp. It was gross. And, you know, it was all congealed together. And then she would pop it in a frying pan. That was before air fryers and deep fryers and Instapot and all that. Everything today's instant. And she would fry this shrimp. And I mean, everything was on a complete low budget because it's what we had. And if you like box shrimp, that's great. I, I think that's great. But that's, you know, I'm just telling you my memories. And I just had this horrible, horrible fear of lack. So when I left home permanently two days after I turned 18, we were stationed in Wiesbaden, Germany. And my dad did not want to pay for a commercial flight because of the expense. And so he said, you're going to have to travel from Frankfurt, space available. And what that means is the first space available is what you get on. You military people know what I'm talking about. And the first space available with my, I want to say cellmates, uh, classmates, <laughs> with my classmates was a C-141. How many of you know what a C-141 is? And it was a coffin. I mean, there it was a transport. I mean, they shipped goods. So we got on, there were no seats except nets, some nets that, I guess they, that's where they would sit if they were going to dive out of the plane, which I did want to do without a parachute because I just wanted out. And of course, I didn't know I was going to be put on this. And in those days, now this is the early 1970s, 1971. In those days, this thing called hot pants were in style. See, you got to be older to, uh, to appreciate what I'm saying. And so I wore these, I still remember, it was burgundy. It was a burgundy top, and the hot pants were burgundy and khaki. And, and I had on um, faux patent go-go boots. How many? Thank you. Please act like you know what I'm talking about. And I remember getting on that plane and seeing that there was no place to sit, and the windows were way up high, so I couldn't see out. And to this day, when I fly, I have to be able to look out. I just do. And so we got on and took off. And, of course, it's a very long flight from Frankfurt to New York. I don't remember, 10 or 12 hours. It's shorter one way and longer the other, but I don't remember which. And I got so motion sick again and threw up all the way back in front of my cellmates, <laughs> classmates. It was humiliating. With my long down to here red hair, and I looked really good, let me tell you. And I'm being, sar I'm being sarcastic. And I remember the pilots came out and gave us our box fried chicken lunches. And I am writhing on the floor for 10 to 12 hours because my parents couldn't afford 
for me to fly on a commercial liner. And I remember getting, your, my dad said, there were only payphones in those days. Some of you don't know what that is. And so, but you need to know history here. And so I, I had enough for a payphone. Oh, I know, I call collect. That was it. Y'all just definitely don't know what that is. There was this thing called an operator. And you had to go through the operator and she would tell that person, you have a collect call. And the person had to accept the charges. And I'll tell you, in those days, per minute, see, today everyone's really spoiled because you have your cell plan and you can call anywhere in the world and it's all part of your whatever you pay per month. But that, that wasn't the case. See, we were the Flintstones. We were the original Flintstones. And so I call collect and I told my dad, I, I can still see this 18-year-old this girl and I said, if you ever want to see me again, you will pay for a commercial flight. And I meant it. Because I was coming back here to live with my grandparents the first year before I, I transferred to A&M. So my grandparents took care of me that first year. And I, I didn't get any extra money. They didn't send me money or anything to live on. Occasionally I got $10. Now I'm just telling you, in 1971, 72, that $10 wasn't a whole lot even then. But my grandparents took care of me and I transferred to a and I'm telling you all this, not to tell you my story, but to tell you why I had such a fear of lack until I met Jehovah Jireh. I'm gonna tell you today how to access him. And so I went to a and and I lived in a dorm. I had no car. So the only time I ever got to leave campus is when Randy, my husband, who then was my boyfriend, and he would, he had a car, and he would come and get me on Monday nights, and we would go to this hotel restaurant, and I would get a spaghetti dinner. And then on Wednesday, we went to this horrific Mexican food place. And where you would get this, this greasy plate of free-fried beans, literally, and an enchilada. And those were really basically the two meals that I had. Because I didn't like the dorm food, and so I would eat. I would get a Coke and a uh, package of peanut butter crackers. And I lived on that, because I didn't have much money. And so I just stayed in the dorm, and I would walk every place I had to go. And... That's how I lived. And then when I finally moved out of the dorm and moved into an apartment, I got $30 a month. And that was for food, clothes, toiletries. And I'm telling you, that bought nothing. I'm just telling you. So I had all this ingrained in me that I was impoverished and that I lived a life of lack. And my dear, wonderful husband, whose father was wealthy and he was well provided for, would, he just took care of me. I mean, he literally did. And then we got married right after, um, I was 20. Got engaged at 19. No, that's not true. Got engaged on my 20th birthday and got married the following July. And so, but I had all this ingrained in me and I had a horrible fear about finances. And then one day we were at a meeting at house actually, and there was a prophet there. And he asked me to stand up. You know, which is always, if you've ever had a personal prophecy, it's kind of nerve-wracking because you just don't know what they're going to say. 
And I mean, you know, if it's biblical, it's going to edify and encourage and console you. But then I've heard some that don't. And so I stood up and he said these, these words to me. He said, I don't want to take away, and this was the Lord saying through him, I don't want to take away your finances. I want to take away your fear about finances. And that marked my life. Because I realized then it wasn't really about money. It was about fear. It was about fear that my father, heavenly father, was not going to provide for me according to his riches and glory. Now, some of you don't relate to this at all and others do. But I want to tell you something to this day. And I'll be turning 70 in a few weeks. To this day, I have had, listen to me, billionaires. I'm talking B with a B like in boy. Billionaires sit in my home for hours. And I am far wealthier than they are. And I don't mean monetarily. Steve Jobs was probably one of the richest. You know who he was? Apple. All his money could not save him. And I can go down the list. Because ultimately, you might get a joy and a trip out of, out of a lot of money. But what you need, peace, does not come through money. It comes through the Prince of Peace. And so let's look at Jehovah Jireh for a minute and see the first place he's ever revealed and the only place, although he is revealed as our provider throughout scripture. I mean, Psalm 35 says, the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. If you have a fear about finances, you should meditate on that. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. What does that mean? It means it pleases the Lord to prosper you. You know what gives me the greatest joy is to buy things for my grandchildren. Right, Abigail? I mean, we'll go shopping and she just hands me piles of clothes. She doesn't look at the price. Sometimes I get to the cash register and I think, holy cow. But it pleases me. Should I exalt myself above Father God? Should I think that I get more pleasure out of blessing those I love than he gets out of prospering me? But you see how faulty our thinking is? Now, I don't mean spoiling a person so much that they're ingrates. I had a, actually it's happened twice now, that I've had two different people. One was a landscaper in the Highlands in Dallas. I, I don't know if you know what the Highlands are, but drive through sometime, you'll, you'll know right away. One was a landscaper and the other, oh gosh, I can't remember what he did. And both of them told me the same story. They said at first we, you know, we worked for, you know, the, the grandparents and they were just, they were billionaires and they were just precious and loving and kind. And then they, you know, departed and the children took over and they were, uh, and the grandchildren, he said they were spoiled and mean demanding, entitled. That's sad. We never want provision to destroy us or to cause us to be ungrateful. I, that's the one pet peeve I have is ingratitude. I just, I can't handle it. So let's talk about Abraham, the father of our faith. In Genesis 22, let me just tell you the story. 
But in verse 1 it says, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am I. And he, God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Whom you love. Because remember, Abraham waited 20 years. 20 years for the birth of Isaac. And because he didn't get Isaac when he thought he should, he slept with his wife's maid, which was apparently okay in those days. I mean, that is not okay with me. And she gave birth to Isaac, uh, Ishmael, excuse me, who is now the father of the whole Arab nation. And so 20 years before he got Isaac, and now God says, take your son, your only son. Now, remember, this is a picture of Father God and Jesus as you read this story. And go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose up early, saddled his donkey, took his young men with him and his son Isaac. He split the wood for a burnt offering and then began the trip to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And Abraham said to his servants, settle down and stay here with the donkey. Now listen, this is key. I am the young man will go yonder and worship and come again to you. What was that? He declared the end from the beginning. He said, Isaac and I will return. Of course, none of them know what's happening, including Isaac. The only one that knew was Abraham and the Lord. And Abraham took the wood, laid it on the, the shoulders of Isaac. Oh, my goodness, he had to carry his own cross. And he took the fire in his own hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, see, here's the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, my son... God himself will provide a lamb. Now I want to tell you the power of these words today. God has provided a lamb. He provided a lamb for a man, a lamb for a house. We saw that at the Passover and the lamb who took away the sins of the world. This is all a prophetic picture of the coming of Jesus Christ. And so they went together and they came to the place that God told them. And Abraham took the knife to slay his son. Because remember, God tells him, your son's a sacrifice. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son. Foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And Abraham looked up and glanced around and behold, behind him was a ram. Now a ram is an adult sheep. I think. A male. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not a farmer. A male sheep. And behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. By the way, when the ground was cursed after the fall of Adam... The ground began to bring forth what? Thickets, thistles, thorns. He caught him by the horns, and Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering, and an ascending sacrifice as an ascending sacrifice instead of his son. Exactly what happened on the cross 
the father gave Jesus instead, instead of us as our sacrifice. And he redeemed us from the dominion of sin, the tyranny of disease, and the power of lack. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, here's the key, on the mount of the Lord it will be provided. So today, now in your book, I give many, many scriptures. And by the way, we don't have many left, less than 10. So if you want one, they're $5, you can get it today, and they're gone. We're not going to reorder. We've already reordered a couple of times. But here's the key. On the mount of the Lord is where you meet the Lord, our provider, on the mount of the Lord. And to go to the mount of the Lord, you have to ascend, not descend. Not descend into depression, discouragement, disappointment, questioning, confusion, fear. What if? Why? It's the mount of the Lord. You have to ascend, and we're going to talk about how, to go to the mountain of the Lord. It's so easy to find scriptures on provision. Just Google it. Scriptures on provision. Dozens will pop up. So I'm not here today to ask you to spit out those scriptures. I'm here today because I want us all to go to the mount of the Lord. It is on the mount of the Lord that you meet Jehovah Jireh. It is on the mount of the Lord that your fears are addressed. That the love of the Father, the heart of the Father overpowers you. It is on the mount of the Lord that you receive peace. It is on the mount of the Lord that you receive your healing. It is on the mount of the Lord that you meet the shepherd. And that's all there is to it. And I mean, I could stop right now. This whole thing was a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God. And if you are Abraham's seed, you're an heir according to the promise of Abraham. So in order to be and act like Abraham's seed, you got to do what Abraham did. I'm going to read you a powerful story at the end of today. I mean, it, it just riveted me and it's very true. It's a testimony. So let's focus on the mountain of the Lord. And I want to show you how the Lamb of God, the male Lamb of God, how he conducted his earthly life. Let me just read you a few scripture. You know that Jesus was controlled, Luke 4, 1 and 2, and 14 and 15. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Do you remember that? And he was tempted. He fasted for 40 days. His body was digesting itself. He was on the point of complete starvation and dehydration. And then the devil came to tempt him. Boy, he loves to, the devil loves to kick you when you're down. What does it look like? God doesn't hear me. Why haven't you answered me? Why have you left me this way? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why am I not healed? He just loves, 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 loves. To go back to the garden, has God, has God really told you that? Has God really said? Can it really be? Well, God knows. You better eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I hope you do because then you won't eat the tree of life who is Jesus and really get all of your needs met according to his riches and glory. That's his whole MO. And so Jesus was hungry. And what happened? The temptation occurred. Jesus answered on the mount of the Lord, it is written, it is written, it is written. 
And Satan departed for a more opportune time. Mark 1, 35 and 6, 30 through 32. And in the morning, long before daylight, Jesus got up and he went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. The apostles sent out missionaries and they gathered together to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, as for you, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. And they went away to a solitary place in a boat by themselves. Luke 5, 16 and 6, 12 and 13. But Jesus himself withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Now in those days it occurred that he went up to a mountain. He went up to a mountain. He went up to a mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, I just want to ask you a question. I'll go ahead and give you the answer. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God, who is the heart of the Father, who stripped himself of all his heavenly dignity, and he came to earth and he became like man so that he could give himself as a lamb for every one of us, a sacrifice. If he spent hours on the mount of the Lord praying to the Father, do we really think that massive amounts of prayer alone with God is an option? Oh, but we're Americans. We're too busy. No, you're not. You're not. You know, one of the most sanctified times in my life, I've told you before, our youngest, Courtney, the one that I always said, if you were my first, you would have been my last, did not sleep through the night till 17 months old. And I homeschooled. So the girls would get up at 6 o'clock every morning with their daddy and do what we call wisdom searches. And they would go through Proverbs and they would search for wisdom. And then I would come in and I would teach them. And then give them their assignments before I collapsed. And, and it was exhausting because I would be up just throughout the night with her. And one night it occurred to me. And I said out loud, devil, you are not taking my sleep. I am giving it as a fast unto the Lord. And so instead of begrudging and dreading, I would get up and I would just lay on the sofa with her and nurse her. And I would just pray. And it became my solitary place of ascension. So you know what? For those of you who would say, I really don't have time, get up an hour earlier. Or have a baby. I'm just trying to help. Just trying to help. Then there's a story in Matthew 14, 1 through 14. I won't read it all, but the story of John the Baptist. And you remember he confronted Herod and Herodias. Herodias was sleeping with uh, Herod's brother. They were fornicating or committing adultery. And John just got right in their face, got in Herodias's face. And he said, it's not right that you do this. And she was really angry. And so she tricked Herod. And he wanted to see the daughter dance. And he said, I'll give you half of my kingdom. And the mother said, go tell him that you want John's head on a platter. And Herod felt bad about it, but he made a commitment. And so he went ahead and, and he said, well, you have to behead John the Baptist. And, and Jesus heard about it. And he had John beheaded and the head was brought to him in a platter. And John's disciples came and they took the body and then they went and they told Jesus, listen, 
This is Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there privately in a boat to a solitary place. He retreated to be with his father. When you get a bad report, and there's some point in all of our lives where we're going to hear something we don't want to hear, it can be a multitude of things. It can be that phone call in the middle of the night or before dawn or in the middle of the day or in the evening. It can be anything. Where you hear something you don't want to hear, what is the first thing you do? Because the first thing we should do is retreat to a solitary place and pray. And that way we won't make a mistake. Luke 22, 39. And Jesus came out and went as was his habit to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from there and knelt down and he prayed. And this is a very, very famous passage where he said, if it be possible, if, it, or if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. It was his Gethsemane. And you know, this is very powerful to me because there is a point where all of us have a Gethsemane. I don't care who you are. I don't care how spiritual or unspiritual you are. It is that place where your friends can pray for you at a distance, but nobody can go to that place of struggle with you but Jesus. That's all there is to it. And that, the deepest, darkest Gethsemane I've ever had, the Lord had sent me into a place where I met a family and the Lord had revealed to me the end from the beginning. And I knew that this family was going to be born again. And the mother and I became really close friends. And I witnessed and I witnessed and I witnessed and I witnessed for two years. And it was hardcore, hardcore. I just, I lived out the gospel. And the enemy sent another woman who didn't even know me, but now I can see was jealous of our relationship. And she began to sow bad seed. And she would say to this woman, thus saith the Lord. And this person the Lord had sent me to became very afraid that I was this wicked, evil person. And, and I was shocked. I was shocked because I had sown so much good, not just for her, but her children. And began to spread these vile, wicked I won't repeat reports about me. They were horrible. And I became literally incapacitated. I went into this dark hole of depression, and I couldn't get out of it. So, I mean, if you've ever been in that dark hole, I just want you to know I understand. But there's only one place you will be delivered, and that's on the Mount of the Lord. And that's what happened to me. I got a final report where someone had told me, oh, I saw so-and-so, and she said she hates you. Hate is a very strong word. The Bible says to hate evil, not people. And the Bible says, if you hate your brother, are you ready for this? Jesus said, you have murdered them in your heart. That's how dangerous hate is. And so she said, she hates you. And I remember going home and I was, I hit rock bottom. You know, I always know when a person's hit rock bottom, you know why they do something about it. 
When I see people that just go in the same pattern, same pattern, same pattern, just circle, 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 just returning to the vomit. And you know a dog returns to its vomit because they like the way it tastes. A sow returns to wallowing in the mire because they like the way the filth feels. And I'm telling you, and this is what I know today, people will not get delivered until they hate their own vomit and their own filth. And so if you're praying for somebody that's in the quagmire, you begin to pray, Lord, make them hate the taste of that. That's how you get delivered. And I, I'm telling you, I hit rock bottom. And I remember going home, and I had a love seat in my room. Randy was outside. The kids were outside playing. I was all alone. I was on the mount of the Lord. And I sat on this love seat, and I called Pam. And the voicemail answered, thank you, Pam, for not being there for me. <laughs> and I called, it, I called another friend, voicemail. This is before we had caller ID and, you know, all the hullabaloo we have today. And I, I couldn't get anybody because I thought if they don't pray for me, I'm going to die. That's how bad I was. I literally thought I was going to die because I was in such a dark place I couldn't see any light. I almost want to ask how many of you have been there, but I won't. But I understand if you have. And all of a sudden, from the pit of my being, otherwise known as your spirit, I mean from the depths of my being, I cried out one name as loud as I could, the name of Jesus. I can still see myself sitting there. And when I cried out from a sincere, damaged, desperate heart. Instantly I was delivered like that. I mean like that. I mean it lifted off of me. I could see clearly now the rain was gone. I could see obstacles in my way. Gone were the dark clouds that had me down. And it became a bright, bright, sunshiny day. And I remember standing up, not one circumstance in my life had changed. And I went and I made my family a Thanksgiving dinner. I had no idea why I had a turkey, but apparently I did. I, you know what? I think I used chicken and called it turkey. I don't know. <laughs> In an instant. You see, God knows when you're sincere. But I went to that mount of the Lord. What is it? It is that place where it's just you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No man can get you out of it. You realize we call miracles things that people do. Now, let's give an example. You, you have a disease, and you're treated, and praise God for medicine. And then you say it's a miracle. No, it's not a miracle. The Lord worked through the medicine. A miracle is, and he touch, you touch him, and you are suddenly made whole. That's a miracle. The other is a blessing. But I hear I sat with somebody the other day and they were telling me about her mother's disease journey. It was pretty horrific. I mean, basically her insides were removed. And, and she was saying it was a miracle and this was a miracle and this was a miracle and I'm sitting there thinking those were not miracles. Yes, the Lord blessed you through the hands of physicians. Praise God for that. But a miracle is a supernatural move every human obstacle out of the way. I don't know where I am now. Okay. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. All of us. It's what you choose to do with it. 
So I'll tell you something really cool. The other night, you know, we've been teaching this marriage group for over 30 years now. And the other night, um, so for the summer, we decided we've got some really stable, phenomenal couples and that have really strong marriages. And, and so we decided, you know what, we're going to let some of them take over for the summer and share keys from their marriage. Because I don't care who you are, you might be some famous person, nobody has all the answers, people. We all have to come together. So let's share from the wealth of other people's knowledge. And it's been phenomenal. So the other night, Gerald and Kent Clairville shared, and I know many of you know them. And I'm sorry, I have a hair in my eye and I cannot find it. Um, remember, I guess this is walking through the old days today. Remember the 35 millimeter cameras and the film strips? Remember, and you'd unroll it. And so they had pictures of that on a hard copy paper. And it was just, you know, blank paper and it had film strips. And they wanted us to use stick figures to write particular instances in our marriages. It was really cool. And so one of them was, how have you seen your spouse's leadership potentials developed in their gifting? So I'm thinking that Randy is going to draw a picture of me holding a Bible or behind a pulpit or something because it was all about your gifts and your calling. So that's what I'm thinking. And so when he shares, I was so surprised and it impacted me forevermore. He drew a picture of my prayer chair with stick figure me in the prayer chair, holding my Bible and my journal and my books. And he held it up to the class and he said, this is where it begins with her. And that meant so much to me. Because I, typically during the week, we just drink a green drink for, for breakfast. But on weekends, we actually, I make breakfast. And he will always say to me, I'm in no hurry. Because he knows that I'm going to drink my green drink, get my coffee, and go sit down and pray. And he'll always tell me. I never even realized that he was recognizing that that was my mount of the Lord. And all of you should have a mount of the Lord. What is it? Just like Jesus. It's the solitary place where you retreat. Oh, but I have a baby. I, but I understand that. Put the baby on your breast and let that be your solitary place or stick a bottle or whatever you do. The Lord will show you. Or take the time from the nap time. And you know what? When I began, it was 10 minutes. And I thought, man, heaven must be applauding me. Wow, look at her. She is giving 10 minutes. Wow. And now I can give. My children obviously are married and, and uh, don't live at home anymore. Now I can give hours. And I love it. It's my favorite place. But but I love it in Luke twenty two thirty nine, 39. And he came out and he went as was his habit to the Mount of Olives. What is your habit? On the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Not in your attorney's office, although there can be wisdom there. Not in the doctor's office, although I'm sure you pray your doctor will have wisdom. Not in the banker. I, we went to open a different account last week. We were there an hour and a half. I was absolutely ready to leave. 
And then the guy tells me he's the worship leader at their church. I said, thank you, God, that I was nice. Because <laughs> I was on the verge of tapping my feet and twiddling my thumbs. But I was nice. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord and everything. So this is a scripture I try to live by, Acts 16. This was a story of the Philippian jailer. If you don't know it, go to Acts 16 and read it, where an angel released Paul and, and the others from prison. And the, the guy's going to kill himself because he knows he's going to be killed for letting the prisoners free. And Paul, Paul said, we're all here. Or Peter, not Paul, Peter. We're all here. And then the jailer said, what is it necessary for me to do that I may be saved? The word sozo. Rescued, delivered, made whole. And here's the answer. I love this. Verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give yourself up to him. Take yourself out of your own keeping. And entrust yourself to his keeping. And you will be saved, sozoed. And this applies both to you and your household as well. You see, your decision to choose life will affect your descendants. And I love that. So when I, if I start being tempted to be nervous or worried or whatever, I'll just say, Lord, I'll just, I take myself out of my own keeping. I entrust myself to your keeping. Let's just look at a few scriptures on provision because the Lord, the Lord our provider does provide our provision. But so much more than material things, Abraham was already rich in livestock, silver, and gold. Genesis 15 tells us he was rich already. He didn't need material things. He needed a sacrifice. He needed the Lamb of God, and that's what we need. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you are becoming acquainted with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love this. For though he was so very rich, and by the way, for those of you who want to spiritualize it, if you look up the Greek, it means wealthy. It doesn't mean spiritually rich. He was already spiritually rich. But for your sake, he became so very poor in order that by his poverty, you might become rich and abundantly supplied. I, that says it all. But I just, I just don't have it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. But I don't have it. Well, it goes on to say God supplies seed to the sower. Ask him for seed. If you don't have it, just ask him. Go find something in your closet to give away. I do it all, all the time. All the time. I live to give. And it's an honor. It's a joy. Psalm 145, 16, you open your hand and satisfy every living thing with favor. See, here's the deal. The way I was raised, this is what I saw, a closed hand. Not intentionally, but that's what was communicated to me. But Father opens his hand and satisfies the desire. See the difference? I love it. So don't ever see God as, as tight-fisted. And how does that happen? Well, Matthew 6, 25 through 33 tells us that the birds of the air don't toil or spin, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. The lilies of the field don't toil or spin. But not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. I have a dear friend who lives in College Station, and her daughter just moved to Burbank. 
And she goes to Burbank to see her daughter, and she sends me the most glorious flowers. If you've ever been to California, you know what I mean. I mean these gorgeous irises and gladiolas and lilies and peonies and everything you can think of. And they just have vases filled with these flowers from their yard. How many of you have that in your yard? I do not. It's too hot here. But if you look at the beautiful creation, oh, we can't even begin to match what God has created. And then it tells you how to ascend. Seek, aim at, strive after. First of all, say first of all. His kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things will be given you besides. And I'm just here to tell you, I've learned to live in that provision. And Randy and I have always lived beneath our means. And we enjoy it because it just gives us more to give out. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my Jehovah Raha. I shall not lack or want. Hebrews 13, 5, for those of you who are concerned, this right here should answer for you. Let your character be free from the love of money and the craving for earthly possessions and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For God himself has said, are you ready? This is Jehovah Jireh. This is the heart of the Father. I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. And here it is. I will not... I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you, assuredly not. That's a lot of I will nots. He said he won't leave you without. Why? The heart of the Father is revealed in Jesus. And we know his grace. He was, he was rich but became poor for our sake so that we could have that great exchange and become abundantly supplied. And so I want to close with, how do you live there? How do you live on the mount of the Lord? It's very easy. Jude 1, 20 and 21. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Make progress. Rise like an edifice higher and higher. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. What does that mean? Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. What does that mean? Stay in the word of God. Number one. Number two, pray in the Holy Spirit. Make your life a prayer walk. If I'm not actively talking to somebody, I purpose to be praying. And all of us should. I was at a place the other day that I like to go. It's a fairly new place. And they have these fabulous drinks that are sweetened with stevia because I don't, I don't do sugar. And... Um, I was in there and I saw the manager's spouse. And she was sitting down. She had braces on her legs. And I thought she'd hurt herself. That's what it looked like. She had a walker. And I said, what happened? She was a young woman. She said, oh, after the birth of my last child, I uh, developed an autoimmune disease. And she named it. I've never heard of it. I'm telling you, it was 10 syllables minimum. I mean, it was... And she said, I... I said, well, are you getting treatment? And she said, well, yeah, but it's not working. And so I just walked up to her. I laid my hand on her shoulder, and I said, well, may the Lord heal you in the name of Jesus. And I could tell she wasn't saved. I mean, she looked at me like, you're a nut. I'm just telling the truth, but I don't care. And uh, she said, yeah, the treatment's not working. 
I said, well, you know, your body will listen to your voice. And I said, you can be, you can be saying every morning when you get up out of bed. Body, this condition is reversed. And her husband was behind the counter. And all of a sudden he goes, I'm going to do that every day. When, when I get up, I'm going to start shouting, reverse. Now I'm going to get to in the name of Jesus with them. But I, every time I go in, I go, how's she doing? So the other day, Randy and I went there. I mean, as you know, it's hot and these are cold drinks. And I, so I said the same thing. How's your wife? He said, she's doing good. But she's still not improving. And I said, she will. You keep it up. And he said, I will. You see, you can have the opportunity to pray in the most inconspicuous ways. Sometimes I say, can I pray for you? Other times I just do it. Because then they can't stop me. Make your life a prayer walk. If you want to, it says right here, I just read to you, rise like an edifice higher and higher. You ascend to the mountain of the Lord where you meet Jehovah Jireh through the word, through prayer, and what was the last one? Keep yourself in the love of God by loving people. By loving people. Take every opportunity you can to demonstrate love. And I'm telling you, we had that opportunity on Saturday. We had a lot of foster teenagers that came here just so that we could love on them. And I'm telling you, we were told, don't touch them unless they ask you to. Because so many of them have been traumatized. And some of the stories were absolutely horrific. Unbelievable things that you cannot even fathom could happen. And one of the main speakers had been... Um, and all the people that testified had come out of what is called the system. And this main speaker testified that her mother had a daycare and in the basement were sex trafficked girls. And the mother didn't think anything about letting her daughter be one of them. How do you reconcile that? I don't. But, you know, for those of us who think we live in this beautiful little bubble where, what is that, was it the Lego song, everything is awesome, everything is cool when you live in a dream? Well, if you think everything's awesome, you live in a dream. There are hurting, desperate people that need a touch from Jesus Christ. And we are to be carriers of his goodness. But you can't effectively do it if you don't know that on the mount of the Lord... The needs of your soul will be provided. The needs of your body will be provided. The needs of your finances will be provided. Psalm 15 and 24 both tell you how to ascend. Psalm 15, who will dwell in your tabernacle and on your holy hill? He who walks uprightly, who works rightness and justice and speaks and thinks the truth in his heart. He doesn't slander with his tongue. He doesn't do evil to his friends. He doesn't take up a reproach against his neighbor. And he goes on and on. Psalm 24, 3. Who will go to the mountain of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart and doesn't lift his soul up to falsehood. Let me tell you, we talked a lot about 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. All fear, all worry, all anxiety, all distrust. 
All of that, all of it exalts itself against the knowledge of the heart of the Father. What do you do? I'm going to use a really low, I mean low blow illustration. What do you do with what's in the toilet? You flush it. Cast it down. Say out loud. I had a, a, a worried thought yesterday. It just came to me like that. Everything was fine. It just... And I said, in the name of Jesus, I cast you down. That is not the thought of God because it doesn't agree with the word of God. And it left. An old saint who is with the Lord used to say, you can't keep a dog, a bird, excuse me, not a dog. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. And that's up to you and to me. I'm going to close with Psalm 91, and you all know it. And you all know my story. I was a brand new believer in College Station, Texas. And I stumbled upon a Christian bookstore. I was full of fear, full of fear. But I believed that what I read in the Word was true. And I saw this book called El Shaddai. And I picked it up, and it was on Psalm 91. And in it was every promise, everything I feared, every, everything that ever bothered me was answered in Psalm 91. And I ascended to the mount of the Lord. He who dwells, dwells, not visits, dwells, remains in the secret place of the most high, the mount of the Lord, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, my refuge. That Hebrew word refuge means shelter. My refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you on the mount of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh. I want to close with a story. You're going to see the shepherd, the healer, the peace of God, and the provider. This was on CBN. And a pastor, his name is Brogdon recounted a story that illustrated the lengths to which God will show to show to go to show his love to people. He shared that a Saudi Arabian woman had a dream about going to heaven, but she feared it was the devil tricking her. She was a Muslim. And most of you know that Islam is not favorable to, to Christianity. You know that, right? And you might know that when a Muslim gives her heart to Christ and they're in a Muslim nation, they risk death. I mean, this is not a rumor. It's a fact. And she prayed, Jesus, if you are the real God, I want to see you. Later, she was tending her sheep in the desert, and she came across a pool of water. She bent down to drink, and she looked into the water, and she saw in the reflection a massive man standing behind her. He held a shepherd's staff, and he was smiling. She whipped around, but there was no one there. She looked again in the water, and there was this massive shepherd. Brogdon said the woman was terrified. She ran home to her sister, who was a believer, and she told her that Jesus was proving he is God. The global worker continued. Still doubting, this Saudi woman asked the Lord for one more proof. Her mother was a cripple, bound to her chair unable to walk. She prayed, Jesus, if you are really and truly God, heal my mother. Let her stand up and walk. And immediately her mother stood up and began to walk around. 
the sister threw up her hands in surrender and shouted, Jesus, I believe, I believe. He revealed himself as a shepherd to her. He revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, the healer. The God who gave her peace and provided what she needed. He didn't rebuke her and say, I'm not going to show myself to you. You know why? Because God looks at the heart. So I want to encourage you today. Ascend, 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 ascend. Get at that place, that secret place. Your, it might be your prayer chair. It might be your garden. It might be your closet. I don't know what it is. Find that place. And the angels will be watching. And you know what's really cool? Psalm 103. It says the angels are mighty in strength and they obey the voice of his word. Psalm 91, say of the Lord. You've got to say it. And that's why. Every morning, I take my Bible, and every place it's marked, those particular, I told you my medicine, and I say out loud, on purpose, and intentionality, what God is saying. And I expect to keep my angels busy all day long. Father, I just thank you that to this day, your word says, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And show every one of us, where is that place of solitary that we meet face-to-face with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.